Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to Justice, a podcast series exploring all aspects of the criminal justice system with me, prison philanthropist and founder of One Small Thing, Edwina Grosvenor. In this episode, I talk with Christopher Stacey, co-director of Unlock, exploring how people often face stigma and obstacles because of their criminal record long after they have served their sentence. Hi, I'm Christopher Stacey. I'm co-director of the charity Unlock. And Chris, can you tell me exactly what the work is that Unlock does and what battles are you fighting? Sure. So we're a, an independent national advocacy charity and, and we support, we represent and we campaign for people who are facing obstacles, stigma and discrimination because of their criminal record. So um, we know that the challenges that people face, um, not just soon after they've been through the justice system, but actually often the rest of their life can be significant for many people. Um, so we provide uh, practical support, digital information. We run a helpline and take on advocacy cases. And then we respond to the, the issues that people are facing, whether it be employment, uh, insurance, uh, housing, travel abroad, whatever it may be. And we um, push and campaign for changes in policy and practices to, to remove the stigma and the obstacles that people face. Okay, so there's something called the DBS check, isn't there? And that stands for Disclosure and Barring Service? That's right. And can you sort of talk us through that? Because really, I think what we're looking at, isn't it, sort of people making mistakes to a greater or lesser degree when they're younger and that basically coming back to haunt them in the sense that when they go for a job and someone does a DBS check on them, they go, oh, you know, we can see that you did this when you were sort of 13 or we can see that you did this when you were... 18. The Disclosure and Barring Service is the organisation that issue criminal record checks uh, for employment and volunteering purposes. And we know that, uh, particularly in recent years, the number of employers and organisations that conduct criminal record checks has increased and is at quite a high level. And that the, the problem of what comes back on those checks um, is the biggest problem that people contact us about, about three quarters of our calls to our helpline are about DBS checks and employment. And there are different levels of checks and what comes back on those checks vary depending on the level of check and the level of check that is done varies on the type of job that somebody is applying for. But what we know is that uh, particularly on the higher levels of checks, which are for the roles involving working with children and vulnerable adults, they're the biggest um, proportion of checks, about 4 million of checks every year are done at that level 
And we know that those checks show things that people have done often decades ago from when they were children, often when they were young. These can be as minor as a caution for some form of fight in a playground when you oh were at school. Um, and, and because of the, the nature of that offence, that would possibly be classed as ABH, actual bodily harm, and that's classed as a violent offence. And so even though that was just a caution, at the moment, under the criminal record regime, that will stay on your enhanced criminal record check for the rest of your life. So we find ourselves in a situation where people are contacting us who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, um, having something come back on their check that from was maybe from when they were a teenager and they're having to be in a position of explaining that to an employer or maybe their child's head teacher because they want to volunteer on a school trip. And we know that that causes a significant amount of embarrassment, shame and stigma for people. And it really affects a lot of people's mental health, quite honestly. Well, exactly. And I can see why the theory is a good one in the sense that if you have people working with children or vulnerable adults, you know, you want to make sure that they don't have a sex offence, for example, or something else like that. But it's strange that it's got so wide and broad that an adult can be penalised for something exceptionally minor. Yeah, so that's precisely the point. So, you know, in some situations, checks on people's pasts are absolutely essential. um, But the current laws that we have um, on uh, what information shows up on those are, they're outdated, they're disproportionate, and, and they create unnecessary problems for hundreds of thousands of people every year. The rules are incredibly blunt and restrictive. Um, and they're very inflexible. And, and, and this is something that uh, we've been through the courts and argued and in some cases been successful in arguing. Um, and there's a, a real groundswell of opinion that says that the current system just is not really working and is not fit for purpose in that it holds people back unnecessarily. So there absolutely needs to be a clear rationale for making sure relevant information is disclosed, but our 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 sense is quite clear from the evidence that uh, a lot of information is disclosed that is no longer relevant, no longer has any value to employers and to volunteer organisations, but that it does a significant amount of harm to the person that's trying to get that job or get that role. And in two thousand and nineteen, the Supreme Court did get involved, didn't it? Can you tell me a little bit about? where the government stand on this and what the Supreme Court ruled. They did. So this issue has sadly had to go through the courts a number of times because the government has resisted arguments for the need for change. Uh, And in 2019, as you say, the Supreme Court ruled that that two aspects of the uh, criminal record regime, known as the filtering rules in particular, um, that two aspects were disproportionate under the Article 8 of the European Convention of Human Rights. And that really backs up what many other people had been saying, the Law Commission, David Lammy, in his review of disproportionality of the criminal justice system. And sadly, uh, since that ruling, the government hasn't yet fully responded to that in making any changes to the regime, uh, which is why uh, earlier uh, this year we launched the Fair Checks movement as a way of encouraging people to show their own MP that they support the reform of this system. Because we know that this is a complex system and it is clearly 
um, important to make sure that safeguarding um, concerns are absolutely paramount. But we know that one in six people in this country have a criminal record. And so to make sure that the people who are in the position of changing these rules, which is MPs, um, are understanding of the issues that people are facing. And so through the Fair Check site, over 700 people have contacted over half of all MPs to show their support. And we're encouraging as many people as possible, whether they have a criminal record or not, quite honestly, to show that they support the need for a fairer and more proportionate system. And is it up to the employers? So say I was looking to employ someone and it came up that they had, you know, a few things on their record from when they were sort of, I don't know, 25 and below, and they're all quite minor. Is it really up to me to sort of say, oh, none of that bothers me. You know, you seem like a good person. Let's crack on. Equally, I guess I could say, well, this is horrendous. I can't employ anyone with these things on their record. Yeah, so there's there's two parts to this. So there's a part of the system that um, is set out in, in law that says what information um, is given to employers. Mm. Uh, and, and our campaign around Fair Checks is to really look at the rules of what gets given to employers to make sure that that is relevant information to help them in their decision making. And actually, it's quite rare that there's a very small element of where some people are legally barred from doing certain roles that that does exist um, but that's actually quite a small number of people for a small number of roles otherwise once you once an employer is given information on a criminal record check it is otherwise up to them to apply their judgment to that and what i would say to that based on the people that contact us is that the the practices are very mixed on that we've we've come quite a long way in recent years in really encouraging employers to look at people fairly. Um, we co-founded a, a campaign called Ban the Box, which is to try and encourage employers to remove the tick box on an application form that that prejudges somebody by saying, yes, I have a criminal record and you know your application now no longer goes forward. And that's really important to recognise that employers have a role in this as well to say, we don't see that information as being a problem. But what you still have in that situation is, A, the fact that in fact, only the other day I, I, I spoke to somebody who had been told that they'd been offered a job, they had a caution on their record from quite a number of years ago, and they were told by their employer, by their prospective employer, you need to get that information deleted. If you can, we'll give you the job. Um, if you can't, we can't employ you. Oh, right. And that kind of blunt attitude, which is quite misinformed, you know, that is, it is not the case that that employer couldn't have employed that person, but that's their judgment and they're allowed to make that judgment as it stands. And so what we would say to that issue is that caution just shouldn't have been disclosed in the first place. It was no longer relevant to the role that that person was applying for. And so the criminal record regime and therefore the government need to take responsibility in making sure that only relevant information is disclosed. And then once we are in that position, it's absolutely important that employers look at that information fairly and properly and that they consider the relevant factors. And in some cases, they may decide that some people, some situations mean that they can't employ somebody. But at the moment, the balance of power is very much towards giving employers all of this information, including significant amounts of irrelevant information, and then allowing them to apply their judgment in whatever way they see fit. 
And there are some fantastic employers out there, some really proactive ones that clearly um, project an image of, you know, we are not judging people by their past and we're trying to find the best person for the job. Exactly. But in reality, they are a small minority compared to what we see coming to us from a, a wide range of companies, big and small, which are essentially practices that are grounded in prejudice, stigma and discrimination. Okay. And do many people call you and sort of say, look, I've got a job interview coming up. I'm a bit worried about this. Should I disclose or not? Um, Do people sort of ask you that? And then the second question to that would be, is there an issue with insurance if an employer says, oh, well, you know, you were done for fraud and but actually I'm going to take you on and this is fine. Um, I'm going into this with my eyes open. And then if something did happen, does it infect insurance? So one of the biggest reasons that people contact us is because they've been asked, uh, whether it be on an application form or they they think they'll be asked to interview um, about their criminal record. And and in some cases, the advice that we're able to give is that you don't need to tell them anymore because the law um, says that you don't have to. We have what's called the Rehabilitation of Offenders Act that means for a lot of jobs, people no longer have to disclose, um, even if employers don't always make that clear to people. So making sure people understand their rights um, in that situation is really important in what we do, Uh, but also uh, making sure that if people do still need to say about their past, that they do that in the best possible way. Because we know that um, from an employer's perspective, usually what they're trying to do is by asking about somebody's past, they're trying to understand, you know, not necessarily what they did in the past, but, you know, what where they are now and what they're looking to do in the future and so we know that it's really important for people to to understand their own criminal record and to be able to talk about what they've done since um, and why they're not going to do what they did in the past again putting it simply and from an employer's perspective we know that that's not always an easy conversation to have and it's really important to us actually that 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 is a conversation that happens rather than that be a sort of paper-based sifting process. We know that when an employer sits down with somebody uh, and sees somebody and talks to them and asks them to you know answer some questions or, or explain, that that, if done well, is the best way of, of understanding and the best way of you know not, not prejudging people and not um, sort of making assumptions. Um, to, to, to your question about insurance, so the, the, there is a lot of there are a lot of issues that people have with their own criminal record with other forms of insurance, whether that be uh, house insurance, car insurance. I think it's still one of the things that people coming out of prison are not told enough about, um, despite years worth of work that shows that you know when you leave prison, you have a, a, a criminal record that is currently unspent under the Rehabilitation of Offenders Act. And that is something that pretty much all home insurers, well, in fact, all home insurers ask uh, people about. So if you're moving home with your 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 partner, your, your wife, your husband, your mother, your son, um, if they have some form of house insurance, it'll probably be invalid um, the next time they renew it because you they're now living someone with an unspent conviction. Oh, right. And there are places that people can go Uh, to get insurance. We have a lot of that information on our website of various companies. Uh, But in terms of employers, um, it's actually very rare for an employer to have a problem with their insurance when it comes to employing somebody. 
Um, it's quite a complex area, but essentially most insurers don't require the individual details of every employee and every, you know, and their criminal record. That's not what they require. Um, they do sometimes want to know that, you know, as an organization, you employ people with criminal records and that you have the right processes in place to manage that appropriately. But to be quite honest, whenever I hear an, an employer say to me, um, we can't employ somebody because of our insurance, that's usually either a myth on their part or an excuse. Okay. And actually, when they dig beneath that and look at the details, they can usually find that that isn't a problem. They might have to notify them or do something like that, but actually it isn't a barrier. And there's quite a few of these barriers that, that employers either intentionally or unintentionally think are there and, and very often they're not. Okay. And what is the multiple conviction rule? So that's a good question. And this is where we get slightly uh, technical. Okay. Well, let's try and keep it easy for our listeners, but I thought it was important to mention. No, it is. So when somebody applies for an enhanced criminal record check... Yeah, because there's two levels, aren't there? Under the DBS rules, there's standard and enhanced. There's three levels, actually. Oh, there's three? There's, um, there, there is. There's, there's now, it's been around for a couple of years now, but I think still a lot of people don't, don't um, know that they're there. There's actually what's called a basic criminal record check as well, which is the kind of, the, the words are sometimes confusing because a basic standard, the words sometimes are interchanged. Um, a basic check is one that can be done for pretty much any job in, in, in the country. So working in a supermarket, working in a hotel, something like that. Uh, standard checks are largely for professions like working in the uh, working as a solicitor or barrister or um, a security guard, licensed to be a security guard. Uh, the, the largest number of checks that are done by the DBS are for enhanced uh, check roles, which are working with children, uh, working with vulnerable groups, working in certain professions. And there's about four million of those done every year. About okay. three quarters of all DBS checks are at that level. For both standard and enhanced checks, there are what are called filtering rules. And these are the rules that uh, determine when a conviction or caution is no longer disclosed to an employer for that type of job. The multiple conviction rule is a rule that essentially says, if you have more than one offence on your record, they don't have to be for the same thing, they could be for um, different things at different times, many years apart from one another. If you, if you ended up with two convictions as a result of that, uh, as a result of um, where you are now, if you've got two convictions on your record, those convictions, all of your convictions, will be disclosed forever. So the filtering rules are designed to stop, in principle, stop old, minor and irrelevant stuff from being um, disclosed. The, the, the multiple conviction rule is a way in which a lot of people, we find, end up still having to disclose things essentially for the rest of their life. And I can, if I can give you an example that makes this quite stark, if uh, 20 years ago I overclaimed on my benefits, say I was working uh, as a student and I um, ended up working more hours than uh, what I was allowed to do under the benefits I was receiving. Um, if I'd have done that for a couple of months, I would have probably ended up with two convictions because I've overclaimed two months. Uh, that would be classed as two convictions. And so even though it's a minor offence of, of benefit overpayment and it was two decades ago, 
the multiple conviction rule means that it stays on my record forever. And this is one of the things that the Supreme Court looked at in uh, the cases that went before it. And that is one of the areas that they found to be disproportionate as a rule. Um, and so that's something that we very much welcome. Uh, and we look forward to seeing the government's response in how they will change the system to deal with that. Okay, but you're still waiting on that so far. We are, sadly. I mean, I think it, it's fair to say there have been a few big issues um, in the last <laughs> There's year been a or few. so. There's been a few, a few distractions. There have been, but I, I, I maintain this point. Um, it is quite a simple fix to the system. Yeah, I was going to ask, does it actually take legislation change or is it more a tweak of sort of policy? Well, this system is grounded in legislation, so it does take a legisl legislation change. And, and and we've taken a very pragmatic view as a charity. Clearly, we're um, we're ambitious for change to the system, uh, and we we think there needs to be a fundamental review of the criminal records regime because the Supreme Court only looked at a certain aspect of it, and fair checks as a movement is very much about that fundamental review. But in relation to the Supreme Court, we have worked with a, a number of other charities, uh, Just for Kids Law and Liberty in particular, because they were the two other charities involved in the case. And we have made it quite clear to the government how they could respond quite simply, uh, quite quickly in response to the Supreme Court judgment. And in January of this year, we came up to a year since the judgment. Uh, and we know that in that year since, there have been thousands of people that have had criminal records disclosed on their DBS checks that essentially the Supreme Court said should no longer be happening. And that, to me, is a significant injustice that, that needs to be rectified. OK, and then at what point, um, on the point of travel and when you are or aren't allowed to travel, and I'm thinking particularly of America because I don't know why, but that always seems to be the thing that comes up, or if you have a... Um, a criminal conviction, you can't go to America. Can you just tell me a bit more about that? And I, and I presume it's the same for lots of countries. I'm not sure. It is. So um, the laws that we have are in, in, around criminal records in this country only apply to this country. So if people are looking to travel uh, to other places, and so the same applies within Europe and you know, with us leaving the EU, there are questions and work being done about what arrangements will apply in Europe. Um, but you're right, in fact, the most popular page on our information site, which covers a whole range of issues from employment to volunteering, uh, the most popular page is Travel to America, because we know that that is something that a lot of people, there's 11 million people in this country that have a criminal record, and Travel to America is one of the areas that is quite strict. Um, one thing that I would always say to people, and this is something that uh, we cover a lot in the advice that we provide to people, is the rules on who can travel are not particularly clear in that the, the US government doesn't say, you know, if you've got this conviction after this time, you definitely can. And so it's the case that most people have to apply for a, a visa that have a criminal record. You know, most people that want to go to America just have to go online, tick a few boxes, and they get a, a, a waiver that allows them to travel. If you've got a criminal record, you are likely to have to apply for a visa, which is quite an expensive um, and hard process. You have to go to the embassy in London. You have to go for an interview. And uh, and that can be quite hard. And, and that's something that I've personally had to do because I've, you know, my, my, my own criminal record means that when I 
wanted to travel to America for my honeymoon a few years ago. Um, that was something that I wasn't going to allow to get in the way of that. Um, and I was successful in getting a visa for a couple of years. So yeah. I was able to you know, do that trip of a lifetime for a, a, a long weekend um, in New York, which was amazing. What, what is not always easy is to go through that process. Okay. Is it sort of based on people having to be honest? It largely is, yes. And I think you've just summarised the, the sort of conversation that we will often have with people that contact us because we get asked that question a lot. Um, and I think what we generally say to people is, you know, you've got to make a choice and uh, it is, uh, it, it might sound attractive to, to just tick that no box um, about whether you've got a criminal record. But for a lot of people, that will mean that the you know, holiday of a lifetime becomes quite a stressful process, you know, going through this, uh, the security protocols at, at the other end uh, and all of the worry that might come with that. So it, it, it is certainly the case that the, the US authorities don't have direct access to the, you know, the criminal record systems in this country. There are ways of sharing information Okay, so it's not like if you sort of walk through and a big sort of bell goes off and, you know, somehow they magically know that 20 years ago something happened. The transparency of what, what systems are in place is quite understandably not shared for, for various reasons. And so a lot, lot, a lot of quite serious um, people that have done serious things will might well find that information is shared about them. Absolutely, absolutely. I was going to say that because like with everything, it's on a spectrum, isn't it? And in a day of sort of, you know, having to worry about terrorism or whether it's sort of, you know, people from the IRA, there'll certainly be, uh, I hope, and I'm sure, mechanisms in place where they know what the person looks like, they're looking out for them at the airports, you know, so, but then there's people who've been done for petty theft 30 years ago. Absolutely. And so that's where, you know, I reflect on the people that are contacting us. And the people that are contacting us are largely people who have either done things quite recently, perhaps, but that, you know, they're, um, they're not, People are not contacting us for advice because of, you know, for, for nefarious means they're, they're trying to, you know, they're, go, they're going on holiday to Disneyland with yeah. their family. So it, there absolutely is a spectrum. I think for most people, it's the message that I want people to know. And this doesn't isn't just about um, travel. It's about anything where a criminal record is a barrier is that, yes, it is a barrier. And yes, we want to change the system and make it fairer for people. But while the barriers are in place, don't don't add extra barriers that are sometimes internal. And I, you know, we understand that as a charity, you, you sort of let this get in the way of, of doing something. Um, and travel to America is a classic one where a lot of people will be put off by quite a bureaucratic system. Um, and, and it is hard and it, you know, it is difficult. We've shared a lot of stories of people who have found it quite hard, even when they've had a visa, you know, to go through the process and maybe have a, a some kind of conversation at the other end. Uh, but it, it it is certainly not impossible. And I hear a lot of um, things that are said about, you know, you can't travel if this, this and this applies. And, and largely that is not yeah. true. Um, so it's just a case of uh, looking at the rules. And the, the rules in different countries are all different. Um, we've got a whole range of different countries on our website and what, they, what we know to them to have in place. And it's just a case of understanding them and, and applying through them. I imagine another common one is sort of people who've maybe been caught with weed or sort of pills at a festival. And that causes a lot of panic as to what happens next. It does. So when we look at how that sort of situation would apply uh, to the criminal records regime and people applying for, for 
jobs and um, things. Uh, for for most uh, for most jobs in this country, something like uh, a fine, you know, a court fine for possession of cannabis or something, or even a caution, is not something that for most jobs is going to cause a barrier because that will be under the Rehabilitation Offenders Act. It would become spent quite quickly, if not straight away. Um, and and so it wouldn't come up in most cases, but there is a, a wider point here, which is that you know depending on what you want to do in the future, um, that that will still show up and and might still show up for for, for many years and sometimes forever. Um, so it is perfectly possible, and we know this that you know if somebody has been caught a couple of different times for for, for possession of cannabis, even if that was a small amount and it was for personal use. We go back to the multiple conviction rule that we talked about. That person would then have more than one conviction on their record. And so if ever they want to be uh, a nurse, an accountant, uh, a lawyer, um, a social worker, they will find that that will still come up. And, and that's where I think there's a question which is wider than something that we're interested in as a charity. But you know, what are we classing as criminal offences? Mm. What are we criminalising people for? And what are the longer term impacts of that? And I think there is a real um, interesting debate about what has shifted over the years. You only have to look at the youth justice system to look at how there's been massive strides in reducing the number of young people and children in particular that's brought through the criminal justice system. And then if you think about it, that means that there was a time where we brought a lot of people through um, and we wouldn't anymore. But yet those people that we did are now saddled with a criminal record that can have quite long-term consequences. So I would encourage anybody that's listening to this to think about what does it mean for those people that we have given a criminal record for, for perhaps, you know, minor drugs offences that maybe now we might not be. Um, and what do we do with that group of people? Uh, and the answer to that, I think, is within the criminal record regime, and it's determining what we no longer need to give out to people, to employers and to others absolutely fascinating i sort of knew bits and bobs of all this but it's so fascinating to hear someone actually quite succinctly putting it all together and if our listeners then have more questions i mean obviously they can get in touch with your charity unlock we can put the details in the footnotes but i suppose you'd also guide them towards having a look at what is probably not a very light read um being the rehabilitation of offenders act yeah, and, and so we have a, an information site um, that's targeted at people with criminal records that explains things like the Rehabilitation Offenders Act and the filtering rules. One of our reasons that we exist is to make sure that people can, as best as they can, understand this so that they know their rights and that people are helping them. Uh, and also employers and others that are using this information do that properly. So that is all on um, our website and it can be got to from there. And I would encourage anybody that thinks, hang on a minute, I've listened to this. I, I don't think that system is fair. Um, please do uh, check out the Fair Checks movement, sign up to that, write to your MP and say, you know, this system is not fair. It needs to change. And you support a, a review of this because that's crucially what we need to happen. We need the government to really take this issue seriously and essentially not just tinker around the edges, because as a charity, we've made some significant inroads in recent years in making some changes, but the problems still persist for people. And we hope that there is a moment in time very soon where a lot of these issues can be looked at in the round and hopefully some solutions to them 
Great. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Links relevant to this episode can be found in the pod notes below. If you enjoyed listening, we would love it if you would subscribe. Also rate, review, and best of all, share this episode. Justice is produced for one small thing by the London Podcast Company. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.